light of infinite. As is customary, in the first 30 days after my mom passed away, my family, friends, and I split responsibility for saying the full Mishnayot, the Mishnahs, for the purpose of my mom's Aliyat Neshama, soul elevation. When I read mine, I noticed right away that my mom's Hebrew first name was right on top of her Hebrew last name, Frida Tzipor, right there in the Mishnah. It was a moment when I felt that she was winking at me, and Hashem was letting me know, it's okay, your ima's with you for the rest of your life, as light in infinite recursions. I was reminded of this as I sat down to dive into this week's parasha, Mitzorah. Just then, again, in the first few psukim, verses, I see not only my mom's name, Tzipol, but my Hebrew name, Erez. It's what we call Hashkacha Prati, Divine Providence, when I could see, once again, that not only is my mother and her soul and memory in the learning and writing that I'm doing, but she is showing me that we are there together, our souls, inseparable, our journey in light, infinite. Staying tapped into Hashkacha Prati, seeing divine providence, requires proactive alignment. There's that feeling inside, a positive, inspirational, elevating feeling when one feels tapped into one's purpose and to one's creator. And the opposite feeling when we feel trapped and one's actions are disconnected from the positive, from purpose, from servitude to our creator and to others. In the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, sitting on top of the Holy Ark were the two Kruvim, the winged cherubs. The Talmud teaches us that the cherubs had the image of a child's face. And it's written in the Zohar that one was in the likeness of a boy and the other the likeness of a girl. When we as people were in alignment with our source, the Kruvim would face each other. But when we were not, they would face away from each other. Indeed, the opposing forces manifest as the Yitzhar the evil inclination, or Klipot. In the world, it's the outer coverings or shells that conceal godly light. In ourselves, it's the negativity or egocentricity that keeps us from connecting to our true selves as creations with a divine purpose, which connects us to the divine light. This negativity or ego is like the shell of a fruit. It serves to protect the fruit, just as at times it's useful for our own self-preservation, but it too must be removed to get to the sweetness. We have to remove our layers of ego and negativity to get to the root of our being and purpose. As we keep learning and needing to remind ourselves, our entire purpose is to reveal godly light that's concealed throughout creation and throughout our beings and experiences. I love how Rav Cook opens his Sefer Orot HaKodesh. Their aspiration for the destruction of the world exists in visible realities in all its qualities, like there exist aspirations for its building, its elevation and enhancement. The sublime advice of God, meaning the providence, is to turn from the entrapment of evil and to elevate man and the world from the depths of evil to the heights of goodness. And for this is evil itself also intended, that in the role of a present essential essence, in its inner content, it will also be elevated and be turned into goodness through its recognizing that the aspiration for evil that is in it is directed to the overall enhancement of goodness. In last week's Parashat Tazriah, in the Parashah of Tazriah, we learn about sarot, sad things, and that sarot come from Lashon Hara, from slander or negative speech, which means one is looking at people and oneself negatively. The Ayin Hara, evil eye, leads to Lashon Hara, which means looking at people with a bias towards the left side, the side of Gvura, judgment. As we read these parshiot, these chapters, we see the word nega, blemish, disease, repeated. This is a space which encompasses the lowest form of experience. The Ramban teaches the distinction between nega, disease, and oneg, pleasure, and it's only in a change of perspective. In Hebrew, we read from right to left, and in the word nega, you see the ayin on the left. And as the Rebbe Rashab taught the Friedrich Rebbe, if we lead with chesed, loving kindness, which is when we tap into the right side of the Svirot and our own beings, and look through the right eye, so to speak, the ayin of goodness leads. 
And that's when we can move away from nega and have oneg, pleasure, which is the highest form of life experience. One important principle of manifesting good and subduing the bad is by being protective over one's speech. The parasha opens with how to atone for lashon hara, for bad speech. The Kohen will command the two live clean birds, cedar wood, crimson thread, and hyssop should be taken for the person undergoing purification. In the time of the Beit HaMikdash, leprosy would befall the person who spoke negatively. As it's stated in the Talmud, evil gossip kills three, the one who says it, the one who listens, and the subject of the gossip. And as Otto von Bismarck was quoted, better pointed bullets than pointed speech. It's asked why must the person bring two birds to sacrifice? Chazal teaches, let the chattering birds come and effect forgiveness for the chattering person. We all want a Shem Tov, a good name. People spend their lives trying to protect their reputation. When a person's reputation takes a hit, especially when it's baseless, they feel powerless and often afraid and ashamed. Tulane in Chinese means lose face because it's the feeling of a person whose reputation has been tarnished. They feel unable to show their face in public or in a more extreme circumstance as if they no longer exist as they once did. As it's written in Mishle, life and death are dependent on the tongue, speech. The Talmud teaches that just as the learning of Torah equals all other mitzvot combined, so does speaking Lashan Hara equal all sins combined. The Chafetz Chaim, who wrote two Sfarim books on Lashan Hara, Sefer Chafetz Chaim and Sefer Shmirat HaLashon, teaches that Sinat Chinam, baseless hatred, is equal to idol worship, immorality, and murder, which is what the Gemara says regarding Lashan Hara. For three sins is a person punished in this world and has no share in the world to come. Idol worship, immorality, and murder, and Lashon Hara is equal to them all. Jumping back into the lessons of the Talmud, of the three people killed, it's interesting to note that from there, we learn that the person who is damaged most of all is not the one who is gossiping, but the one who is listening to the gossip. The reason being that the listener is the one that has the power to stop the Lashon Hara. The person speaking has already decided to gossip, and the subject of the Lashon Hara is not physically present in the conversation. Only the listener can change the negative speech into something positive or stop it altogether, and so the onus is on the listener. The Chafetz Chaim teaches that Hashem, in his infinite wisdom, has decreed that the Satan's, the Sitra Akhra's power to accuse us is directly related to how we speak about one another. When we refrain from speaking badly about one another, then Hashem, like a loving father, is willing to overlook our misdeeds. However, when we accuse one another of wrongdoing through Lashon Ara, we give Satan power to stand before Hashem and accuse us of wrongdoing. There's a book by Lori Platnik and Bob Berg titled Gossip, 10 Pathways to Eliminate It from Your Life and Transform Your Soul, and in it, they break down the 10 pathways of positive speech. Number one, speak no evil, say only positive statements, let words of kindness be on your tongue. Number two, hear no evil, refuse to listen to gossip, slander, and other negative forms of speech. Number three, don't rationalize destructive speech. Excuses like, but it's true, or I'm only joking, or I can tell my spouse anything, just doesn't cut it. Number four, see no evil, judge people favorably the way you would want them to judge you. Number five, beware of speaking evil without saying an evil word. Body language and even positive speech can bring tremendous destruction. Number six, be humble, avoid arrogance. These will be your greatest weapons against destructive speech. Number seven, beware of repeating information. Loose lips sink ships. Even positive information needs permission before being repeated. Number eight, honesty really is the best policy most of the time. Be careful to always tell the truth unless it will hurt others. Number nine, learn to say, I'm sorry. Everyone makes mistakes. If you've spoken badly about someone, clear it up immediately. And finally, number 10, forgive. 
If you had been wrong, let it go. Almost a thousand years earlier, as reported by the Ben Ishchai Rambam, in his Perush explanation of Mishnayot, divided speech into five categories. Mitzvah Bo has a mitzvah within it, which deals with Torah learning tefillot and reciting grace and gratitude to Hashem. Ahov, beloved, which is about the good and superior intellectual qualities of a person. Mutal, allowed, which covers speech that is used on a daily basis for negotiations and to conduct business transactions. Nizhar Mimeno, be careful about it, which covers speech which includes lies, flattery, or hypocrisy, gossip or slander, clowning, and other forms of lashonara. Nimas, disgusting, which covers sicha betelai, useless or idle speech. There's a midrash that tells the story of a peddler who proclaimed, who wants life? Rabbi Yanai approached the peddler, curious as to what elixir he might be peddling that could guarantee long life. The peddler looked at Rabbi Yanai and simply said that neither he nor any Talmud Chacham would require such an elixir. As others inquired, the peddler took out a tehillim pointing to the Pasuk, which man desires life? Guard your tongue from evil. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov teaches in Likutei Maran that when somebody listens to the singing of someone who is wicked, it's detrimental to one's connection to the Creator. But listening to a singer who is virtuous helps one to connect. Rabbeinu explains that the reason is that the voice is drawn from birds. Kabbalistically, two birds in our Pasuk represent Zer Anpin and Malchut, which correspond to the voice and speech. The two birds also represent the two Kruvim, the cherubs, on the Ark that were the source of prophecy in the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple. It's written in the Zohar that these two birds nurse from the same place that prophets nurse. Rabbeinu explains that this is why a singer is called chazan, singer, cantor, from the word chazon, vision, which connotes prophecy, as we see throughout scripture, as an example, the chazon of Yeshayahu. This is to say that the chazan takes their song from the same place that the prophets take their prophecy. Kabbalists explain that music helps banish extraneous thoughts and clear the mind, cutting away impure thoughts, klipot, that envelop the soul, allowing a person to connect to the light of the infinite. Music is also something that can be played in circles infinitely. In fact, that's often how the prophets would reach their state of nivuah, prophecy. It would be a repetitive riff being played until it would start to act as a mantra, a meditation, and then prophecy would be reached. As it's written, a group of prophets preceded by a lyre, a timbrel, a flute, and a harp, and they would be prophesying. And as the musician played, God's hand came upon him. Within us all is the power for Kiddushah, for holiness, and or the power of the Sitra Akhra, the opposing forces. Rabbeinu teaches that when a singer is wicked, they take their song from the other birds, from the Klipa, from the evil forces. And as it's written in the Zohar, that the birds of Klipa nurse from the breast of Malchut kingship. And when Chatzot, midnight comes, a cry goes out, as it's written in Ecclesiastes, as birds are caught in a trap, so too are men caught and ensnared. This alludes to our becoming trapped in the Sitra Akhra, while birds alludes to the two birds of the Klipa, that become caught in the trap at midnight. The birds, when aligned with the Kruvim, the cherubs, are that of Kedushah, but when they are not aligned and are tied to the Klipa, to the Sitra Akhra, like the Kruvim, facing opposite ways, these two birds draw their nourishment from the Klipot. And it's that source of nourishment that causes the entrapment fueled by the opposite of Kedushah. However, through the song within ourselves that's holy, the Malchut of holiness is uplifted and elevated so that Hashem's light is revealed in this world. At night, one can be drawn to the Yitzharhara, evil inclination and busy themselves with desires that take them further away from being connected to the light of the infinite. As it's written in the Zohar, when the night is split, meaning at midnight, then a call goes out like birds caught in a trap. So too are men caught in a trap. But on the other end is the opportunity in the darkness to connect on a deeper level, to wake up from one's spiritual slumber. The Zohar and Rabbi Nachman of Breslov stress the importance of Tikkun Chatzot. 
Midnight Lamentations, which is also the time that King David would play his harp and compose his psalms. It is this act of lamentations that shifts sleep and dreams from a place of Freudian Yitzhahara desires to an elevated space of rejuvenation and connection. King David said, At midnight I will rise, as he wrote, Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov expands on ruach and rhythm in possibly his most famous and fundamental teaching from Likutei Maran, Rogesh Pebet, which is Lesson 282, also known as Azamwa, I Will Sing. Rabbeinu teaches that judging everyone and yourself favorably, always looking for the good points, is essentially the secret to blessing and happiness. It also ensures switching from a frame of mind of Dean judgment and speaking Lashanara to one seeing the good and speaking only positively. Rabbeinu explains that sifting the good from the bad is how melodies are made. And we see this through playing a musical instrument, which gathers the good ruach from the ruach of gloom depression. In essence, music is made through the separation of good from evil, by selecting and gathering the good points and good notes from the bad. That's how beautiful song is created. And so when a person doesn't let themselves fall, but revives oneself by searching and seeking out the good points in themselves and others, gathering and separating those good points from evil and impurity within us, this is how melodies of oneself and harmony with each other manifest. This is how we are able to pray, sing, and give praise to Hashem in Teshuvah, in a return and a repentance, which brings life, happiness, and ultimate unification. Rabbi Aaron Cutler reminds us that to be unified and wholehearted with Hashem means to not live a life of contradictions, and that someone who speaks Lashon Hara lives a life of contradictions. It's not easy as it's something that often comes naturally, sharing a story or an experience involving another person. But the more we are careful to only uplift each other through speech, especially when the person isn't present, and deed, the more we are aligned with positivity and light. This incredible pianist asked me the other day what I think the purpose of life is. I said that it's to reveal Hashem's light in this world, to reveal what is concealed. And that's how we shine our own light, which brings forth everyone's light which is the only way for us to bring awareness to the light of the infinite and usher in the final redemption. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.